You are listening to Normalized Crime, an in-depth look at gang life and all the effects that come along with it. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Normalized Crime. I'm Eric. What's going on, Berto here? And Berto, we're back with another episode and it's we got a special guest today. Yeah, we got somebody to uh to come in and and uh and talk about how much bullshit we've been spewing all these weeks. Somebody that can somebody that can actually give us some facts. Um so <clears throat> so this guy is uh he's a professional in in the criminal justice world, I would say, but not a professional in the criminal justice like I was. He was he was more of a a legitimate criminal justice server. And, you know, he's got over 20 years experience. He's got his bachelor's in criminal justice. Uh, he worked in all kinds of facilities. I mean, I talked to him, it's, you know, he was a counselor, a program director, social worker. I mean, you name it. He's, he's been, uh, he's been, uh, a big contribution in these places. Um, he's ran programs like gang intervention, AODA, conflict resolution, reentry programs, first time offenders. I mean, you name it. <clears throat> from the conversations I've had with this guy, you know, these are the kind of people that we need to multiply and and really get <clears throat> one-on-one with with a lot of the people that are are struggling in these uh in the system. And so with that said, man, I I'll, I'll keep it I'll keep it a little bit brief. Um I'd like to introduce Torrance Taylor. Torrance, how you doing, man? Hey, hey, how's it going? Good, good, man. I'm I'm glad you came on. I really appreciate you coming on. And, you know, for our audience, why don't you go ahead and, and kind of just introduce yourself uh, a little bit more in detail than I did. I mean, you can, you know, tell the guys where you're from and, and um, maybe a little bit how you were raised and, and kind of how you got into the space that you did and and why you chose that route. Uh, thanks. First of all, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So I, I'm originally from Chicago, Illinois. Um, I, um, originally I had, my parents were married. My father decided that, uh, he wanted to choose another profession in life when I was younger, which I'm, I'm going over this because it explains where I, where my beginnings came. But my father decided that he wanted to take on what is now known as human trafficking. But in that time it was called pimping. And so mm, he, uh, mm-hmm. he left me and my mother and he decided he wanted to pimp and he was um legitimate he well not the not the tv things you see not the the um you know the rap you know the imposter rap right. stuff he was a legitimate right. um man of that uh profession and so right. i grew up seeing that um when i was when i would be with him at his home instead of being with my mother i would see that kind of lifestyle. I, I saw um, early prostitution early on in my life, very early, as early as probably seven, six. He had a lot, he had a lot of women. And um, the flip side of the, the flip side of my life in at that era is my mother is actually a fallout from the Panthers, meaning Black Panthers, the old organization, militant organization. So I had a weird dynamic growing up because I had a, a street guy on one side and my my mother was an activist so i had both sides and uh at one part of my and one uh, part of my home i would hear activism 
my mother in eventually uh, remarried and he was also part of activism. So I heard a lot of activism growing up. You know, I heard I'm, I'm, I'm African-American. So I heard a lot of African-American, you know, upliftment that would stay out of, you know, the South side of Chicago, the gangs and stuff like that. And on the flip side, I would go to his home and it would be the complete opposite. There was drugs everywhere. There were women, there was clothing, the flashy cars, all of that stuff that becomes with that lifestyle. You know, it was there. And my, right. my dad was no small fry. I, I don't, I'm not, and I'm saying this not to advocate anything. You know, I don't want to, it's not a glorification. This is just a, you know, some background, but no, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's important to, I, I'm sorry to cut you off, but it's important oh, no, it's okay. to Lawrence. It's, it's definitely important to us, man. I, and I've mentioned this concept, it, you know, there's a fine line between uh, glorification and verification, you know, and yes. in a situation like this, it's, it is important. You know, you want to verify, you know, kind of the, you know, the surrounding and, and what it was like. So uh, definitely, man, and we appreciate the, the, the honesty. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. So, um, so really fast on that, he, I got to see a different lifestyle and I saw it and then a lot of, a little bit different uh, in school wise, because I didn't know anyone else that had a father as a pimp. Uh, my first record, I really didn't know what it was in the beginning. I didn't, I had no idea what was going on. I was too young to understand. I just knew that he had, you know, a lot of women and those kind of things, but I didn't understand what was going on. It, it, it took for him to come and pick me up at school and the kids tease me about it is when I learned and I started to understand what it was. So we'll, I'll fast forward just a little bit. So as I got older and I don't know how much you know about Chicago, but in Chicago, I became gang affiliated. And in, in the gang system in Chicago, where you live, that's what you are. So right, if, you right. are in a, if you are in a king neighborhood, you're a king by right. default. If, you, if you're in a GD neighborhood, you're a GD. If you're in a, a vice lord neighborhood, you know, and so on and so forth, you, you become those right, things right. by default. So there were guys that I heard you mention on one of your uh, episodes about neutrons. That was a big right. thing back then with us, neutrons. So even neutrons were considered, if you're from that neighborhood, even though you're neutral, you're still part of this neighborhood gang going on. And so that was my first introduction. My very first introduction was with, and I won't go into that, but I used to get beat up by this certain gang. Mm-hmm. And um, we moved to another neighborhood. So we ended up in Inglewood. I don't know if you're familiar with Inglewood, but we ended up in Inglewood and I learned that the gang that used to jump on me or beat me up was had an opposition, what we call ops now. Right. And that that was my introduction. I, I needed it because I wanted to get some get back, if that makes sense. Right, right. Yeah, so yeah I, for sure. I, I did what was necessary, necessary to join. Okay. And so that was the first part of my life going into the criminal system. And um, and from there, I'll, I'll cut it down because I'll start rambling. I don't want to go too far off, but I had three in my lifetime. I had three different eras of the criminal system. One was um, one was the gang situation. Two was crack and drugs, which I did. I didn't do like use, but I sold. And three was right. working, working the girls like my father did. And that was the right. latter parts of my life. And so I hear you mention God a lot. So I'll I'll go I'll go right into those. So those three times I had three separate times where I met with the most high or the supreme being, you know, 
as far as saying, hey, man, it's time to straighten these things out. And the first right. time I uh, I um, encountered it was uh, there. My mother was still in activism. Now, fast forward. I'm a, I'm a, a teenager growing into growing up being a man, 17, 18, you know, that age group. And my mother was part of this activism. And there was a cop on the um, uh, on her committee. He was a he was a member on her committee. And he told her that your son is on the radar for certain things. Mm. And he offered he offered me a way out. And he was a he was a fraternity member with uh, another with a president of a of a school a university down in uh, Langston, Oklahoma. It was called it was called Langston University. It's an HBCU. And okay. so this was my first time um, getting an out. And I took the out. But what's important about this out was that I graduated from high school with a 1.9. Mm. Right. Okay. So I, I got what they called a get out diploma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, right. <clears throat> I, I didn't right. have a... I mean, and it wasn't that I was dumb or nothing. I just I was more involved with everything else than school. It was never. Yeah, I think that's. You know, all, I, I think that's all they give out now is is get out diplomas. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that's something we. That's something we need to talk about. Also, I'm sorry. Eric, go, yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I thought Eric no, was no, he, say no, no, he wasn't going to say nothing. He was. He was just laughing because because he he's he's in agreement. We I mean, we we talked about this before, man. You know, I I uh, I'm not going to throw. None of the people I love under the bus, but uh, you know the, these. I wish diplomas were this easy. I, I probably would have never dropped out. You know. <laughs> so. <laughs> so okay, so I'm gonna return because there's what you just said too. I need to return back on why the gang situation didn't work a lot with me. But I want to let me stay right at the school thing first. So um, what I had a 1.9 in high school, and I, like I said, I got the get out diploma, and this cop pulled some strings for me and he pulled well technically he pulled them for my mother he wasn't for me but it was doing my right. mother a solid you know it was looking out hey your son you know your son is on the radar we're gonna lose him eventually let's get him out of this right. w- out of this area and I, I got I got accepted I don't know how but whatever they did I, I made it into a university with a 1.9 and not only mm-hmm. that I was I was eligible for and I don't know how this happened either, but I was el- eligible for what is the dot. You remember Dial Soap, the D-I-A-L? Yes. I, yes. Received, I received a partial scholarship from them. Nice. Nice. How that happened, man, I'm going to say that was God. Yeah, that's, 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 the, that's, the, only, that's the only answer, man. That's the only answer. <laughs> but it happened. And, and so I ended up taking the out and going to school. If I could rewind back on the gang situation with... I heard you. You were a, um, a shot caller. I definitely wasn't a shot caller. So I don't want to make myself be more than what I was, but I was around the shot callers all the time. But one of the things that I had a problem with in gang situations was, and this is no disrespect to anybody that I knew, but I couldn't follow guys that couldn't read. I was mm. I was always, that always got me in trouble. My mouth always got me in trouble, got me violations, got me in fights because I couldn't. I, I I had a problem with how can you, how can you lead us and you can't even read the literature that's passed down. We have to right. read the literature to you. So that that mm-hmm. always, I was always stuck on that one. Then that and I hope that you know if someone's listening, that's not disrespecting anyone, 
but that was my problem back then. Um, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, it's funny because we used to, we used to actually have like sessions for guys that struggle with reading. You know, mm -hmm. we used to literally. I mean, it was embarrassing sometimes. I think about it now. You know, some of it was hazing, but some of it was legit to try to help them. You know, I remember one guy in particular, like we used to have, we'd be partying, like guys drinking, everybody around, and we'd have him, we'd have him sitting at a table and reading the newspaper out loud to us. And it was embarrassing, you know, but it was, it was, it was a push in the right direction, you know, and That's to get him to understand, like, how are you going to be able to read the Latin King Manifesto if you can't read uh, you know, uh, an article in a newspaper. And, and so I, it's, it's crazy, but I guarantee you, uh, the leader that you're probably referring to, <clears throat> if he wasn't smart, he was probably really, really violent because in order yes, to get, in order to get one of them spots, you have to be one of the two. Right. So, um, I, yeah. So I think, you know what, if you don't mind, I, I had a question in my mind when you were explaining it and I just, I was waiting. Um, and, and cause I think when we talk about, when we talk about just people that, that get initiated into the gang life and, and they take steps towards this lifestyle, right. You always wonder mm -hmm. like, what's the drawing factor? Like what, what does it, right. So when I went back to, to what you were saying about how your father's house was the polar opposite of your mother's house, you know, yep. I, I think it's, I think it's self-explanatory to say that, the lifestyle that interested you more was your father's. Am I correct? Yes. And, and it was, I think from being, uh, beat up, you know, jumped on, you know, well, they called it packing out. I got packed out a lot in the neighborhood because I didn't want to be affiliated. Right. And so once, right. once I learned that they had an opposite side, I went right. with that side because I wanted it. It was more of a, I, I don't know. I'm going to say if it was protection, but I guess it would be protection. Yeah, it's 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 definitely it's a form of protection, right? It's a it's a form of protection, but I also think it's it's really unique, uh, in the sense that, um, you know, I think we talk about it a lot on here how gangs are often the ones who recruit, and it seems like in this situation you were actually searching for you know, uh, a brotherhood, so to speak. It wasn't like you wanted to go and, you know, get with the toughest guys just so they could help you, but, but uh, a brotherhood so you could have your own people to be with. And uh, I just, I just think it's unique how, you know, no matter what, man, the dynamics are, are different, but they're always similar. You know, it's like moving parts, you know, one person yes. might get in this way, one person might get in this way, but in the end, the result is the same, but, but go ahead. Mm -hmm. uh, um, if, if you don't mind. So, so in this is one other important part too within my little journey but when i when i landed in langston it was there were a lot of street guys at school and i we i have still have some friends with these guys now but there were a lot of street guys so there were the guys that i didn't like there was um there was what do you are you familiar with a lot of like stones yeah, yeah. Uh, Stones is the Latin King's okay. first cousin. Yeah. Okay, so you know Jeff Ford and those guys, Chief Malik. You know, right. there was G there there was GDs, there was GDs there, there was Stones, there were uh, BD, which is you know Black, Black disciples. disciples. Yeah, Black disciples. Yep. Um, but there were there was there were a lot of Chicago guys, and there were guys that say had migrated from other cities that were claiming what we were claiming, and and um, so when I got there. And we, 
the when we were able to let down the 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 guard. And I know this is probably to to back then to people at home. It was uh, it it was the wrong thing to do, but I some of my best good friends were from the opposition, and and it and it took me to go to college to realize like wait a minute, so you and I don't like each other because of the way our hat is turned, but right. this guy is this is a cool dude that I'm hanging out with, and I had another guy who we're, we're still friends with, I'm still friends with him today from Houston and he used to he would hang around us all us Chicago guys. So one person would have their hat to the right and the other ones would be to the left. And I would say to him, man, when we go home, we can't even this is this is out. We we right. gotta be sworn enemies again when we get home. But out here, it was it was almost like neutral ground. It was a sanctuary. Right. And right. and I knew then that if I had to go home and hurt these guys that I built a brotherhood with here, I'm gonna have a hard time at home. And I, I, my, my exit was happening then, for sure, because I couldn't, I couldn't. Um, those guys I had got close with, and I couldn't see right. myself going coming home and having to up something. You know, I don't know how far can we speak on. Is this is this language and? Yeah, you're good. You're good. Just just be, however, whatever you feel is on your mind. You're good. This is uh. This is rated for grownups. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I never wanted to come home and have to violently hurt someone that I had got close with down in school. So I knew right. I knew my days was pretty much over. So all of the steps that needed to happen, you know, and and at that time too, with this sort of school was a is on the is a part of the literature anyway. So. If you went off to school, a lot of guys gave you a pass anyway. You know, okay. that that That's was a, that was my next question too was was there backlash when you wanted to walk away? No, not in school. Why there was a little bit but not not to the you know, not like the movies where I'm a, I'm going to kill you if you leave because obviously right. I'm talking to you and and Eric <laughs> right. so but but yeah, there was some there was a little backlash. Yes. Yes, but not right. To the point of, you know, are you going to another side or something like that? Right, right, right. It was more of a, they were probably a little bit hurt that they were losing one of their brothers. Is is probably. I, I could agree with that, yes. Right. And a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of these guys that I, that I know, that I knew then are, are, are still behind a lot of time. They're inside uh, facing huge numbers right now. I'll never see a lot of these guys again. I have a friend that's doing uh 100 years now right now. He he mm -hmm. uh yeah, he started uh he he got I don't remember the year anymore, but he's he won't I don't think he'll ever see parole. Wow. And, yeah. And, but there's a few. I had a few with 40, 50 large numbers, man. Very large numbers. Yeah, it's 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 crazy, man, that those those kind of stories are more common than the ones like yours or the one that I'm trying to build. You know, um, it, it's sad to think about <clears throat> guys that go away and, and they never get a chance to show that they could be productive in society. Um, right. and, and, and then behind that, right, is the fact that, like you were saying, a lot of them are going away for a cause that they really didn't even understand or maybe really even get, even get behind, 
you know, and, you know, I, I've had this conversation recently, as a matter of fact, with, uh, with somebody that I plan on, on having on here, um, at some point on the podcast and, you know, he was a quote unquote op, right. And, Hmm. and Hmm. I just think about, I just think about the fact that, like you said, man, you're willing to kill these people and you don't even know them, right. You don't even know them. You don't even know, you don't even really know what they believe in. But, but the hard part is that when you take and strip everything away, we're the same people. We both grew, you know, like we're, we're the same kind of people, man. Like we grew up in poverty. We grew up in urban areas. We grew up in these same public schools and these same public parks. And, but mm-hmm. because your park is over there and mine is over here, you know, now, now we gotta, we gotta try to kill each other. Right. And it's That's like right. by, by design, um, it's almost like there's a threshold that all these kids hit and they have to make a choice. Right. And a lot of kids aren't ready for that. They're not ready for these kind of choices. And, and um, yeah, this is, this is not a family friendly show as far as the the content we bring, but it is a family friendly. And as far as we, we encourage the families to bring this information to their kids, you know what I mean? And, and we encourage them to, to use the information that we give and the experiences that we give to watch for signs and try to direct and try to derail. And so, no, it's, it's all relevant, man, the points you bring up. And, and I think it's just, it's amazing because these, you know, we just did one of these, these, uh, these interviews and not too long ago and the, and the stories always start the same, you know, it's like, it's like people deal with problems in their own household and then eventually in their own neighborhood. And now you got to make a choice and, um, yeah, and, but it's but it's it's amazing to see where where you've come. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it back to you and let you uh, let you continue on and and uh, and just pick up where you were at. Oh, so I also I listened to um, Wrong the Strong. I listened to your episode of Wrong the Strong, and mm. I called. I'm, I'll come back to me, but I called. I what? Well, actually, my spouse was listening to your podcast in the house, and I just happened to be coming through, and I heard it. And I heard I, I, she showed me a picture of Wrong the Strong. And at the end, he said some things that I so from a clinical perspective. Now, I told her I was saying I was sharing with her. I guarantee you that 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 that, that, that I can't remember his name, but I guarantee you that certain things have happened. Blah, 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 blah. And she was listening to me. And then no sooner than I, I had um, stopped saying these things, he started mentioning stuff that happened to him as a child. Right. And the stories aren't different. I mean, they're different in terms of the people, but some of the, the, the outer shells that happen are the same. You can see the same kind of similarities. Right. So 100%. So in my second. So so that was my first half with the most high with God of, of me saying no. The second half was I was a I, I came and I was a petty crack dealer, but I was also working a job. I came back to Milwaukee. I came to Milwaukee as it wasn't from here. I came to Milwaukee and, and I, I was on and I'll cut this one really short. But how that ended, um, I was on uh, Palmer and Chambers and I met a kid from here, a guy from here. And he was he was working with me. And I had an uh, I had a nice old school car. And I was like I say, I never was the man. I never tried. I was always the background singer. I never wanted to be Michael Jackson. I was the I was the Jackson five. I never wanted to be out front. Right. 
I, ne- right, I never right. chose that because that always brought too much drama. So I would yeah, like. I was to a do cameraman. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was more of a cameraman. I wasn't even on stage. But go ahead. Go ahead. That, that was my. <laughs> yeah. So, so th- this particular night, man. This one. This one still bothers me as an old man now. But um, we were serving, you know, serving on Palmer and Chambers, and um, lady, the sister, a black woman, came up and she was pregnant, mm. and she was she was huge pregnant, man. And um, so later, say later on in her trimesters, but she looked terrible. Right. And we were in my car and the way we used to do, we would have the, you know, the work out in a bag on the, on the sidewalk right. or wherever. And then we would be in the car just in case where we called them, you know, one time or the dick boys used to yep. jump, would jump out on you. So, yep. so I, I would have it, you know, over there and it was my, it wasn't his, it was mine. But he was with me and it was small. I'm not, you know, this, this was probably an eight ball. It was nothing. It was no real serious heavy work, but right. he, so we rolled down, he rolled, he um, let the window down. He was on the passenger side, which is where she walked up to me, walked up to my car and she wanted to be served. I couldn't. I, and, and I told him, don't do it. And then, so I, and I had the electric window. So I rolled the window back up and we got in a little lightweight argument. And he, you know, he, so I won't curse or nothing, but he, it was kind of like N word, you know, Hey man, you know, what you doing? You know what, you know, so we had a little dialogue and, and, and I just couldn't, man, she looked bad and that, and I don't know what kind of damage that child received. And I know it wasn't my fault, but I didn't want to, I didn't, I couldn't take that with my consciousness of saying, I just did this to a pregnant person. And so, right. What I did was I asked him to get out of my car. I left the stuff there with him and I left. I drove off and I went home and um, it, uh, I made what's called salat, which is, you know, prayer. And I I, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I was studying a little bit, but I, I didn't know which way to go. But I, I, I had my prayer was, hey, if you could pull me away from this and, you know, give me a decent job and put me on a career path, I won't ever involve myself in this kind of stuff again i'm done no you that, know you know that's uh i'm, I'm uh, let me just say this real quick man because it's 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 so it's i'm convicted to say it just just based on the fact of you know how inspiring just that thought is man because you know i i can almost i wasn't in the car but i can almost imagine the conversation that your friend had with you was man the crack she bought before she came here she mm-hmm. got somewhere and when you don't sell it to her now, she's just going to go somewhere else and get it again anyway. So why don't you make the money? And so for you to be able to take that moral stance, man, that's hard to do. It's hard to do because on so many levels, and 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 I try to explain to Eric a few times about just the way the drug deals go and how, kind of how that works. So I'm sure he's not, you know, he's not completely naive, but, you know, just somebody that's working with an eight ball. You know, because that's that's that was my range, right? You talking to me, not now? You talking my language, right? Like that's where I was at. I wasn't, I wasn't in no crazy. So just somebody that's working with an eight ball, right? That just goes to show, like you need every dime you can get, right? So to be able to take that moral, be be able to take that moral high ground, man, is really really impressive, and I commend you for that. But go ahead, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that that was convicting me when I when I heard that. No, it's okay. So fast. So I I'm, there's a third chapter in this too, but but. With this person that I'm telling you about, and I won't mention any names, 
but about I, I went on to do whatever I've done in my uh, professional career and about uh, maybe say 15 or maybe f- 2014 or 15 um, I saw him in the news he made the news for um, um, at the red roof there's a red roof uh, on 13th and he was out there uh, pimping a 14 year old girl mm. and and they, and they caught him and gave him you know a nice set of time and and I saw that and I I thought about him and I said, man, you haven't, you didn't, you still have that same viciousness that you had then. You didn't, right. it didn't, nothing ever changed in your life. I, I haven't seen him. So this was just me thinking this to myself when I saw it, like you didn't. And you, you know, you had, we had opportunity to say no that night. And right. he's, he, I'm, 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 I'm assuming that he's still in now because it was a lot of time. I'm curious. So in this yes. story, you talk about how, you know, he had that same viciousness, but yet you walked away from that. What do you think is like the differentiator between a person that is able to walk away from it and a person that just stays in that life the whole time? Is it, it is it just a circumstance that you went through that made your eyes open to like, I need to walk away from this? Or was it, or what do you think it is? So, Eric, that's an excellent question. And, I, you know, I've omitted my favorite person in this story, which is my mother. <laughs> but she so my mom's used to have this saying and, I, and as a kid, my brain wasn't fully developed. So I wasn't listening to her a lot. I was I was hearing her, but I wasn't hearing her, if that makes sense. I was right. hearing, but I wasn't listening, but it right. was resonating. So. I knew my mother was an activist and she used to have this saying, she would say, there's two things she would say to me that, that really stand out. And she would say, son, all kids take their brain out, this metaphor, they take their brains out and they sit them in the seat. But it's important for you. And she says, what she's saying is when you're a kid, you do things without thinking. So your brain mm-hmm. is over there in the seat and you've left your brain. This is just metaphor though. There's, there's no teachings. This is just old mother wisdom. But she right. was used to always say to me when I would be when I would be clowning and acting a fool in, in school like that, she would say, son, go pick up your brain. You left it. Go get it. And OK, so the second part was um, she would say, when you leave the house, you represent more than just yourself. You represent us, too. And I and to answer your question, Eric, I think that because I had a lot of the kids that I grew up with didn't have a positive anything in the house. Whereas mm. I had I had a different dynamic because I got to see the streets, but I also got to see a normal professional. I mean, my mother my mother was an accountant. She she's accountant. She's a math you know mathematical person. So her so I got to see that and have a no, semi normal lifestyle, and then I and I got to see dysfunctional. And the majority of the people that I hung out with were in night one hundred percent dysfunctional. You know, parents. That ahead, actually ahead, makes a lot. Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense because you kind of had that pathway, sort of there that you could see you could get out of this life. Whereas the people that had just pure dysfunction, they maybe even want that that better life, but they have no idea how to even start because they've never even been exposed to it. I agree. I agree. Okay, so so my third. And this is condensing a lot of this. There's a lot of foolishness going on in between all of this stuff, man. I, I had some 
there's a lot of things that I feel bad about. There's a gangbanging situation that I did in front of a person's mother, man, in front to him, in front of his mother. That one still holds that heavy in my heart too, that I did that mm-hmm. to this person. But the third part of that, me going to God was, um, I, I was working in Southern Oaks Girls School and I'm about to tell on myself now, but I was working with juvenile girls and in the daytime and at night I had my own women that I was working with outside of that. So I was trying to counsel in the day and at night I was telling grown, now these weren't young girls. I mean, so I wasn't, I didn't deal with anything under, you know, um, teenage, none of that. This was all, these were all older women. So, right. but, but, but I had, I had, and I wasn't big on those small time, but I had a few girls that we worked. There was a newspaper back in the day called the onion. I don't know if you remember that, but there was, yeah, a, I remember. An, so the onion used to have, uh, classifieds and, okay. um, we would use the classifieds. There was a, um, I won't go so far in, but there was a, a madam, shall I say out of new Berlin. Right. That didn't look like you or I, Berto. She was, you know, from New Berlin, but she was right. in the game just like us. But right. but no one would ever suspect her of being this. And so she got us involved in her escort service. Right. And um, and so fast forward a little bit to this one, and um, I had another, uh, so another family friend who's cousin was pimping in Las Vegas and he we we were on the phone here's another one of my convictions again oh and also this is all over the place but also at this time I now have my first child I had a child so I had a daughter so I was as crazy as this is I was working trying to help girls correct their lives I was coming home at night making these girls do this and I had a daughter that I was trying to pretend to be a father too. <laughs> so he, man, so anyway, when I got on the phone with this person from Vegas and he said, man, I can set you up. Let's, let's get it going out here. You can come out here with us. And my, um, the person was, was a go. It was, she, she and both of them were ready. They were, it was, let's go. And I walked away again. Mm. I, I chose the cowardly way again. And, and I, I said, man, how could I do this? And I got a daughter. How, you know, once again, I guess my mother was in the background <laughs> saying, look, son, you know, pick your brain up. And, right. you know, you represent me when you're out here. So if you go to prison, if you, if you um, do something that comes back to us, I have to take this with you and your family because you represent all of us. So I walked away. Um, I let them, we just, it, it was not, it was a long thing, but it was, I'm, I'm condensing it, but it was a walk away. It was a, you know, Hey, right. I'm done. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to take this uh, counseling work serious and I'm going to try to be the best father that I can be. Cause I never really had that example of being a father. So I, I said that I was going to do, do whatever that caused me pain in my life. I'm going to do the exact opposite for this right. child that I have. And that's, and that's right. how let those me, three ended. Oh, okay. That's, let that's, me, let me jump in. Let me, let me jump in here 
and um and update Eric real quick because I think Eric might be lost. So Southern Oaks is okay. basically a juvenile prison, but for but for girls, right? So like I went to Wales. There was also Lincoln Hills. Well, Southern Lincoln Oaks Hills was the only. Yeah, it was the only female one. So, yeah. so that's what yes. Southern Oaks is. Um, <clears throat> surprising the Onion. I mean, that's that's pretty advanced to 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 put out solicitations in the newspaper. But <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm if I'm if I'm remembering right, I think the Onion was like a spoof newspaper, wasn't it? Like they had yeah. like fake articles in there and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah, it totally so, was. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That, so I, I'm remembering it right. I don't even know if it's still in existence. I haven't seen it in, but this was a long time ago also. So, but right. yeah, um, that that's when it, uh, you know, I was at Southern Oaks and I went on from there and then the career path changed from right. there. So, so um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think, um, man, it's, it's crazy to me when I listen to your story because I hear like, uh, you know, I just hear about like the impact your mother had on you and, and she, you know, she always, she she kept things in your head, which is the most important part as a parent, right? To tell your kids something is one thing, but to make it stick in their head and then apply it, right? There's another thing. And, and that's the thing where I think my, my barrier was at is that my Mm. father raised me with so many morals. He raised me to be a strong man, you know, but I use that energy as a strong man in the wrong way. You know, all the things that made me a good man made me even better Latin King, you know? And so I just, I just find it, you know, it's really, really, to me, it's, it's really, really ironic that you were able to use your mother's words and apply them to get you on the right track, you know? And not that I used my father's words to get me in the game because my dad hated gangs, but Mm -hmm. I used what he taught me to be a moral man and, and allowed that to be my moral compass in the gang, if that makes sense. Um, so, and listen, and listen, don't want to trust me. My viewers know more than anybody do not apologize for jumping around because I'm the king of that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I'll be, I'll be one, I'll be mid story, you know, in 2009 and, and, you know, take you back to, to 91. So trust me, I I'm, I'm all over the place. We appreciate you telling the story. And um, it, there's no time constraints here anyway. So we, we run this shit right here. Ain't that right, Eric? Yeah, so, that's right. <laughs> all right. All right. So uh, I guess I guess we'll get to the good stuff. Um, those are – I think it's really, really relevant that you bring all this up because it, it, it kind of gives an inside peek as to why somebody would want to change their life. You know, uh, being through all the things you have, even though we, we weren't really detailed on some of the things you were experiencing – um, uh-huh. from this kind of lifestyle that we talk about all the time, I'm sure people can put two and two together, you know, especially right. being in three different, three different areas from gang banging, a drug dealer, and and then to an area that we don't cover at all, which is pimping. Uh-huh. So, you know, to be able to, to make it through that alone is an accomplishment. I, I think, I think this is a, this is a great way to segue into kind of you know, how you decided, you, you kind of basically said how you decided to make that change, um, but where your first steps came at, you know, and then, and then how you felt you can make a difference and where you wanted to make a difference. Um, yeah, just kind of lay it out for us. So d- during all of those era, the, the after the gangbang area, because I was uh, a grown up after gangbanging, so I, I kind of 
walked away from, you know, if I'm a college student, I kind of, you know, you're 18, 19, 20 years old. So I, I'm, even though I still was associated with guys, you know, and speaking, I gangbanging was pretty much out. But during that time, I also was studying, um, I have my, my uncle, man, there's um, one, another person that kind of didn't mention in this story, but he has a redemption story also. And my uncle Herm was, was very influential in, in leading me to manhood. He, um, so during this time, he would give me different books, literature, just upliftment, you know, kind of material right. to lead, lead my, my mind in the right direction. So during all of this time, I, I never was, uh, I guess I wasn't as vicious. I, that's, I'm going to use that one again. It wasn't as vicious as, you know, I could have been. I mean, there were some things I did that, you know, ooh, that's a bit much. But I, I, you know, I wasn't that far over the top. And I always, because my mother was a Panther and I knew, you know, I always had, you know, good background. It was easier for me to, to transition. And, and during all this time when I was doing this crazy on the wrong side of things, I was still reading. I was still doing, you know, looking at positive things. And, and one of the things was I went on a, um, I called myself going mad, but I went on a self-discovery journey. And mm. and this is from an African American. This is from a black man's perspective. So, so you know, no, no offense to anyone else. I don't want to do that. But in the school systems, and and you know, we're I'm from a public school, and I've watched television all my life, and I've seen mass media, and and I'm now that I'm an adult, I know that media controls minds. We right. we are, you know, media leads a lot of people into the way that they're thinking. And so, as a kid growing up. You know, I know that it's this it's over the top now with all of the, the things about going on in the media. But for me, when I was on my self-discovery journey, I wanted to learn about me and I wanted to learn about people that look like me because I had never really heard those kind of things as a younger person. I never, you know, because it's not encouraged, you know, it's right. You know. I could just use for the Latins, you know, I have, have Latin friends that didn't know who Cesar Chavez was, you know, mm-hmm. as important as he is to that, to your culture. So right. I didn't know a lot of people. I didn't know, you know, there was, I didn't know about Noble Drew Ali. I didn't know about Marcus Garvey, these people, it, or if I heard them, I wasn't listening. So during this self-discovery journey, with my uncle, he was teaching me and 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 I was being taught about those people, and it and it uh, it motivated me to be you know to lead young men and women, young girls, in the same direction. Because if I knew if I had a mother who was a panther, and I only heard so much, I know in those households where there was just crackheads and you know and women of the night and stuff like that they weren't hearing anything positive about themselves right and we weren't and you definitely was you definitely weren't seeing it on tv at that time so Mm -hmm. in that journey um when i went to work as i was learning and i was actually i was learning myself but i was teaching others at the same time through through throughout you know and and it started there it started in southern oaks girl school and then from there I started to, I ventured out into the Department of Intensive Sanctions, which was at that time was the bracelet, you know, the the, the monitor 
Would you come right. home with, with house house arrest? Um, yeah, I, I, I was there, and um, and and I just and these were positions of elevation too. There was so I was advancing in these positions at the time. So I went from okay. uh, Department of Intensive uh, Intensive Sanctions, and I always kept that focus on trying to teach them outside of dysfunction. Because I mm-hmm. I'm I'm in, I, I was in dysfunction, so I know what that looks like. That's one of my good sayings too. Is well, you know what this looks like. So what does the other side look like? You know what? So you've you've been here. This is one of the things I used to teach, and and I taught groups too. I'm sorry. At the end, I taught groups, and one of the things I would teach in the groups was well, you 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 you're well aware of what your life looks like with all this madness. What could it look like over here without all the madness? That was my motivation motivating factor. Also, was I wanted to see what it was like to live without dysfunction. Right. Uh, you know, it's funny before, before you go, it, it reminds me, I always, I, I always hear this saying in my head and it says to get what you never got, you got to do what you've never done. Right. Mm, so, that is, that is, you know, that's a hundred percent. I mean, that's, that's a mantra that people can use in life, you know, whether it be in business and success or just day by day, one step at a time, getting away from all the things that you're used to, you know? And um, I think that that range true for everybody, man. You know, it's easy to stay in your comfort zone and be what you always been, you know. So, um, I, you know, when you were I, I just got a question for you when you were talking about the uh, the DT or, or the or the bracelet. Was that from DT from detention center? No, these this was adults. I was still in the adults. I, I went over. I, so I went over into the adult system and then. OK, uh, I realized in the adult system I was not effective. <laughs> oh, okay. I, yeah, I I told myself this though. I knew I wasn't effective. I mean, there was some, I there was a little bit of help in there, but there was more resistance than with the youth. The minds right. are more impressionable, young. The adults are kind of. This is I, um, this is my own opinion, but adults have to make their minds up for themselves by this time, because you've been conditioned you know, this conditioning is happening over a period of time. And with a kid, you can still, if if you get to get to them early enough, you can still reel them away, you know, from certain things. But with the adults, it takes the, the work, it takes a special kind of person to sway the adult because the adult has made up their minds. Of, not all of them, but the majority of I work with were there. I'm, this is what it, what it is. And this is what I am. Whereas the kid, right. you can kind of say, well, hey, there's something different because your life really hasn't begun yet. Whereas right. with and you adult- know, it's, it's, it's actually sad too. With adults, it usually takes until they're like broken, you know, until exactly. the system is broken. You know, they have to literally be broke down by the system where they reach that point where they're just like, you know what? I can't, I, I got nothing left, man. I'm, I got nothing left. And I know what that feels like. And, mm-hmm. and so that's sad, but, but. But on a lighter note, it is it is good to know that you can actually feel that as somebody that's trying to make an impact that that children are, you know, and teenagers can actually absorb, you know, what you're trying to teach them. Yes. And and so um, here's a jump around again. But later on in my career, we had a gang, a gang curriculum and it was a bit outdated. I, I the kids, it, it wasn't resonating with them. And so I. um I ended up creating a program. I called it Lights Out. And and the focus of the program was to get the kids to understand where their lights were shut off. And I call when I what I call dysfunction is having your lights shut off. 
So you know how you've seen, you know, in certain um, the 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 pick the the art and the the memes are where they'll have a a brain or a person's head and there's a light bulb in the in the center. Right. I used to say that that brain that that's you've had your lights shut out and it's time to turn your lights back on. And that was the focus of my instead of me using a gang intervention, I I recreated this and called it lights out. And one of and, and one of the stand standouts was in in my lights out uh curriculum was sound right reasoning. And what I meant by that was if it doesn't sound right, don't do it. It's real hmm. simple because I used to I used to break it down to the simplest terms with the with the groups that I had. It, it just doesn't sound right. Then you don't need to do it. Does it before you take off and do these kind of things? Does it sound right? Does it sound right. right to go in in I don't know to go in a king neighborhood with one gun? Does right. that sound right? I'm just giving an example. I'm that's not an actual thing, but I'm just saying. Does that sound right to you to go in there with knowing that you're going into this neighborhood and, and risking your life for nothing? So I would right. use examples in how sound right reasoning came about was I was um, I had a colleague named Dave Barham and Dave used to run a spelling bee through this uh, program, Social Development Commission. And we had a spelling bee and I was there with him. I volunteered. I came over. I wanted to be a part of it. And. In the beginning of the spelling bee, the kids there were in, this is grammar school to middle school kids. And the, the first graders, second graders, third graders, Berto, all of these people, Eric, the first four grades, there was excitement. The kids mm. were, they were, man, it was, and there was money involved too. So the schools got money for winning. And the kids right. got to split some of the money. That was part of the program. So, but the excitement, the excitement of childhood, the, you know, the innocence was still there. But by right. fifth grade, the kids, so we had we had them, the spelling bee was was um based upon grade group, grade levels. So by the time the fifth grade came on, and I wish I could show you visually, I could walk around and show you how these kids look. Hopefully you can imagine this. But they just looked so lackadaisical and just you know, it was uninterested in the and the lights were off. You could see right. it. By eighth grade, by the eighth grade class, I, I I couldn't believe that we were in the same school. And I and I mm-hmm. leaned over to my colleague Dave and I said, Man, these kids' lights are out early. This is early. And and it and it and it clicked to me to to start, you know, when I came back to my curriculum, the gang curriculum, I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I, you know, I tried to use examples of lights out. And where and, you know I, and, and go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was gonna say. You know what's crazy though, man, is I I love the the concept behind it because it, this is why this is why just hearing different people who are trying to make a difference is so important <clears throat> because when I was in Wales, right, this sound mm-hmm. right reasoning is is perfect because it's practical. It's it's it applicable. Is. It's applicable and it's practical, man. When I was in Wales, I did all the programming that they had available. Not for the right reasons, you know. I did it because I wanted to get out, right? But mm-hmm. with that being mm-hmm. said, the programs were so. How do I say this? You know, like it's it's going to sound bad, but it, they were above a lot of the kids' heads. You know, you you don't have scholars that are in 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 Wales and Ethan Allen, right? So these are all a bunch Absolutely. of kids from dysfunctional homes. And you got us in here in a cognitive intervention program. Guarantee you nine and a half out of 10 kids don't even know what 
cognitive means. Don't even know what an intervention means. But you got us in a cognitive intervention program where we're supposed to filter our thoughts and our feelings. And then it's somehow that your beliefs are involved. And it's like all these different things as a kid, you lose them. Like they're gone. They're checked out 100%. Because the only reason why I stayed on point with these things is because like I said, I wanted to get out. I wanted to, I wanted to complete these programs in as little amount of time as possible so I could go home. But had that not been the case, I wouldn't have known what this was right off the top of my head, you know? And so, and, and I'm, I'm not a, I wasn't a dumb kid. I always did well in school, you know, but unfortunately there's not a lot of kids that are like that, that end up in these facilities. So how do you expect them to get this? You know what I mean? When you get something that's simple and to the point, sound right reasoning, I couldn't think of a, some, something better to say, man, if it doesn't sound right, it's probably not right. You know, (laughs) it's not. And, and no, man, I just think that's, that's key. And I think, you know, I, I know you moved on and obviously wonderful. The spelling bee is also something that, you know, you can, you can get your barometer of, 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 you know, excitement to, like you said, checked out. And, and so to be able to, to understand where that scale is at is important too, but I just didn't want to gloss over that, man. I definitely wanted to give you your due for that kind of concept that you came up with from somebody who was a kid and in that system and had to do these programs, this right here, it would have changed maybe not just my life, right? Because, because my life was already on a different path, but there's a lot of kids that it might've changed their lives because they would have understood it. You know, they would have understood that instead of cognitive intervention programming. Right. So, but, but go ahead though, man. I, I just thought I'd, I'd inject that. So uh, when, when it, when it here, here's me telling on myself again, but I introduced this, it was, it was kind of illegal because it wasn't accredited. <laughs> At the, okay. You know, I hadn't got the program accredited, but, but I had a, um, I had an administrator at the time that was, she was she was a forward thinker and she was cool about everything. So we we implemented the program anyway. So light, lights out became it was it was um, it was a uh, we, the, the groups were one there were an hour and a half on certain days of the week and then there was certain Saturdays that the community service and the different kids had to come in and and from there I, I what I tried to do was in the program um, I tried to relate it to their their surroundings so i'll just name a, a rapper today but he wasn't out then but you know if it was a chief key for or a little dirk and i'm not sure if you guys know who these guys are but um if it was those type of guys i related it yeah, in the program I know. to these guys and at that time he had a song this chief key guy had a song called the i don't like and mm-hmm. that's and that shit of, i don't like <laughs> that right there <laughs> so so I what I did with that I tried to use it I tried I tried to show them not that it was wrong but that too much of it could influence your thinking and I tried to that was my my uh, my go to was to to show them where and when these things are taking place and and listening to parents do whatever the guys outside the music the 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 junk food all the time. It was the program had, it was, it was, it expanded around them and not necessarily around a, a clinical person or the book person who were, who just writes these for grants. I wanted right. to write it for the kids, for 
the group that I work with and not, and not, you know, like you said, not fly over their, their head. I, that's what I took that to mean when you were saying, I didn't, I didn't want to fly over their head with the material. I wanted to keep it as simple and close to them as possible from AOTA to, well, conflict resolution, but I used gang situations and different things of that nature. Yeah. But, um, and AOTA, um, Eric is, is just a, <clears throat> it's a drug treatment program, which I didn't have to do because, I lied and said I wasn't a drug user and I got away with it. Uh, but so, all right, enough about me scamming the system. So, you know, this is, this is all like, it's really, it's really interesting for me, man, to see this side of it. Because like I said, from the side I was on, you know, a lot of times you feel like these, uh, this, this program, the programming and, and programs that are, are presented to, um, troubled youth, their formalities, you know, it's mm-hmm. about, it's about turning in the work and, and, and showing the governor, Hey, we got this many people completed this program. We deserve funding still, but how many mm-hmm. of those people that completed a program are actually better from it, you know, have mm-hmm. actually learned from it are actually moving in a, in a more positive direction in our life. Um, so this is definitely a space, man, you know, you know, my, I don't know how much you know about my situation, Torrance. I know you listen to the podcast, but you know, I'm in a, I'm in a fortunate and unfortunate situation. Fortunate that I've obviously, I have another chance at life and I can, you know, use a platform like this and try to create change myself. But unfortunate in the sense that I can't be in the public eye as much, you know, it's, it's not safe for me to be out on, you know, and preaching wherever I can be, you know, in, in classrooms, but, you know, I can still champion from afar. And, and so, you know, this is definitely a space that I'm interested in just understanding the psychology of how you even go into thinking about trying to help change a kid's mind. And, and, um, you know, unfortunately the mind doesn't always carry over to their placement, right? Like you can try to help a kid mentally, but they still got to go home. You know, they still have to go back to these neighborhoods. And so, you know, those are, those are other obstacles, obviously, but it doesn't mean that you can't try. You know, we and you, we actually got a little bit of uh, of some past that crossed, you know, and and it's crazy. We'll let our audience know. It just goes to show how small the world is and and and, and obviously the south side of Milwaukee and just just uh, you know, we always talk about the south side is the, the biggest smallest place in the whole country, man, because <laughs> you you're going to know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, right? And so, um I don't That's know, it. I don't know I didn't really get a chance to tell Eric. Um, so, uh, Torrance actually worked with, um, we did a story. Um, sure. You remember Eric with the Miller Brewing executive that got killed and the guy, Mm -hmm. um, so Torrance actually worked with his older brother and was actually in the group home. You know, he, he did the group home thing. Um, can, can you give us a little bit of background on that? Uh, the group home itself or with him? Yeah. The group home and then, and then kind of how you met him. So, okay, so this is short. In the beginning, I share with you that my father was, he was in girls game, I will say. But that's right. not his story. So so that's not fair to him also. I don't want to do him that way because he redirected his life later on also. And he, so he was one of my interests into not only into, you know, social service and working around with, you know, in prisons. He was already there doing that when I came over. And, and so he, um, he ended up opening a group home, which can I, can I say that Bertha was fine? Yeah. Outlook? Is 100%. Okay. okay. Yeah. hundred so, percent. 
So New Outlook, which you're familiar with, was a directive of my dad. And we he so he ended up breaking off out of the, I, I forgot what um Mr. Salim's uh was it uh New Horizon, I think it was New, New Horizon. Horizon. Yeah. So oh, Mr. Alameen, oh. yeah, that was that was uh New Horizon. And and um Eric, he's talking the reason why he asked me is because New Outlook was the group home that I went to when I left Ethan Allen. So I don't know if I did well, your dad was never personally there, was he? He was. He uh, was? He Maybe was, I seen him then. <laughs> he was in um he used to talk about Draper, I think is a cottage. You Draper yeah, was Draper Draper was in Wales, yeah, yep. So he that's, so he was there where at I was first. At. So he was he and I think Draper was the cottage gang the, unit, you know. Yes, it was. So I wasn't gonna say that, but yes, it was the guys that, that called the shots. That's where so, I was at. And was, <laughs> yeah. But so he ended up um so he ended up um opening his own group homes after so he was with he was a part of he was an umbrella of New Horizon, which became New Outlook, and he took New Outlook and and turned it into TNH group home. And that's where I met Ramon. But we all began at a group home that's still in Milwaukee today called Trans Center. And hmm. that's where Trans, Trans Center is where we first, I was a worker there. I was just a youth counselor then, but that's when I first encountered what's called an SJO. And I heard you mention on one of your podcasts that you were an SJO. Serious juvenile offender. Serious juvenile offender. Yes, sir. And no, so I was lucky. We, I wasn't. I wasn't a serious juvenile offender. I, I got, I oh. got, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I got sentenced to a year and then I got extended a year because, you know, they could extend you if you're under 18. They just take you back yes. to court and give you some more time, which I, I didn't even, I don't know how that's legal, right? Like they just, you don't get convicted of another crime or anything. They just take you to court and say, hey, we need, we need more time on this guy. But, but, I, but the guy Weddle was an SJO. He was a serious juvenile offender. He was an SJO. Yes. So, so SJOs, the, we were the first, um, uh, Trans Center was the first group home that, that w was, wasn't reluctant to accept those groups back into the community. And, mm. and that's where my, what, uh, my career began with, well, I was already in social, um, uh, Southern Oaks, which was hardcore girl school, but with, with the boys and the males, this is when I started to encounter that group. The, the you know the you know the guys that it did really violent crimes and so we when he when my dad went over to um his own on the it was on the east side of milwaukee but it was tnh that's when i encountered uh i don't want to say his name but that you know your the miller brewery's brother older brother yeah 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 uh, you know because yeah. i don't hey, I, hey, haven't Torrance, seen, I don't want to Torrance, we're we're okay with names on the podcast because the only person that's gonna know who Ramon is is Ramon. Mm -hmm. Like there's a million there's a million Ramones in the world. If 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 for some reason, now don't get me wrong, right? Like people that know me, they're probably gonna know who I'm talking about. But no harm, no foul. Like I mean, we're not we're not exposing anything that he, you know, he he, he went to a group home. So what? Like, so we're all right, bro. Don't worry about it. I it, guys get mad at me all the time, probably for me. I, I name drop, but it's not like I'm giving out your government and telling them where you live at. I'm just, I'm just, I use names to remember, you know, different events and different stories. And and for some reason, when I say a name, I can picture them in my head, real simple, and remember a, an event. And so, if that helps you, you can do it. No big deal. Just you know, as long as it ain't no first and last name. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's I won't, it's I won't all do good. that. <laughs> <laughs> it's all so, good. So, 
So we, so Ramon was um, in our group home. And so the other brother came by a couple of times, not, not for long times, but he would come by. We, when we were speaking earlier, you mentioned day passes and weekend passes that brought back memories. Cause I hadn't been in the group yeah. home in a long time, but <laughs> yeah. so he would buy in uh <laughs> he would come by and, and sometimes grab his brother. And, and mm. so that was my encounters with him at, right. at, um, at that time. I don't know how long he was out in between those, times but i remember mentioning to uh and without being but let's just say that i knew that he was capable of doing what he did not ramon his brother right. i i knew right you could you could tell by if if you've worked with those that are you know oops sorry oh, mike if you work with those you you can almost see you know it's not you're not psychic but but enough of times you can see the person that might you know do something you know, extremely bad to another person or, you know. Right. And, and that was kind of my next question for you too, man. It's crazy that you bring that up, mm-hmm. but I was kind of wondering that like, man, like how often, you know, I'm sure you have a lot of conversations with different kids at different times. And how often do you feel that redeemable quality, you know, opposed to, man, this probably isn't going to go well. Ooh, <laughs> see, I'm going to sound negative. <laughs> um, Ah oh, man. Well, statistics are going to say you sound realistic. Yes. So at when I started to notice uh, oh there's something else I want to bring back also we we were talking about earlier. But when I started to notice the it, that the crimes were becoming more violent or more sadistic for younger yeah, it was it was no longer, you know, teenage and you know, and young adolescent. You know, it was. I, I started in my in my last tenure. I was a a PO out at um, D, DT when I finally right. ended my my run, and um, and the kids were so young. They were. I had a case where a guy, a, a young kid, was eight. And I think wow. that's too that's too young to expose. And he would, and this kid, man, I know him all over the place. But this kid, I always remember him because when I would come to do his uh, school visits and those things, he would hug me as though I, he didn't see me as an agent. And right. so I w- I would tell the, the the individuals that he was a that I was his mentor. Like the principal and I had established that hey, you're his mentor. Don't don't ex- explain that he's been in trouble. And I won't say what he was in trouble for, none of that. But, but he he was too innocent. He was just eight to be in a in a mm. in a criminal justice system. But to answer your question, the, the redeeming quality, I I don't I at the end I I was because they were so young. I started to have a I guess I lo- I kind of lost you know I don't know if I say I burnt out, but it it, it was too young. It was I wasn't it wasn't sixteen and fifteen anymore. Right. <clears throat> And right. 13, thirteen and twelve were committing hideous crimes. Right. So, maybe it was time to maybe it was time to get a new perspective. You know, step back yeah. and and kind of reevaluate and and see where we're at. I mean, as a country, um, I a hundred percent listen. When I was in Wales, right, um, the the young cottage is Juno, right, and and Juno, yes, yes. is I mean, you go and they usually. They usually up till about eleven, until about twelve or thirteen years old. They leave you, but usually like eleven years old is Juno, right? And man, I'm talking about 
you know, even back then, there was never an eight-year-old. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've, ne- you know, never, and never an eight-year-old. And, you know, I mean, we see, you know, all these, you know, happenings in the world today. I mean, you know, I, I can't, what was it, a, the six or seven-year-old that shot her, shot his teacher or something? T- took a gun to school and shot their teacher or something? I mean, so it's like, yes. you know, it, it's it, it definitely is, it's a hard, <clears throat> it's a hard space to be a champion, you know, for change you know, that, that kind of case gets thrown in front of you and your picket sign, so to speak. Right. Like it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's hard to, it's hard to be objective, you know, me personally, right. Like obviously, you know, all the crimes I committed were as a juvenile, literally every crime, you know, from 13 to 18, right. All my crimes Mm -hmm. with the majority of them coming in an 18 month span, you know, from 13 to 15, 16 to 16, let's just say. And my brother, originally, him and my friend Toot, who I talk about often on this podcast, they were both sentenced. They both they were both for juveniles and they were sentenced to life. And if it wasn't for the Miller versus Alabama ruling where uh, juveniles, it's, it's, it's unconstitutional to give a juvenile under the Eighth Amendment uh, it's it's a it's um it's unconstitutional to give a juvenile a life without the possibility of parole, right? So, you know, yes. I always try to stay up to you know stay up to to date with new rulings and and cases that were overturned. Maybe you know that way, if I seen anything that could help my brother or help too, I can be like, hey, listen, I seen this or I seen this, and and it just seemed like as time went on, the ruling came out in 2012 and it just seemed like as time went on, it was just like more and more of these young, young juvenile cases, like, like horrific cases were being brought and sentenced. And that does not help somebody who's trying to come back on this law. You know, when you got uh, a law that's being relaxed because they feel like it's over punishment, but then you have an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old that's killing people, it does not look right for the law. You know, and so uh, I just think it's amazing, man. It's amazing that that's where we've come. Um, was that your last stop? Then was DT? It was. It was. I was a uh, hum- um Yeah, I, I, my last stop was. Um, I'll share this one, but there was a sexual case, and this this kid was twelve. I won't give any names, but um, yeah, he stained me a little bit. But this kid, um, when I when I read the police report, and the little girls were, ah uh, man, they were five, I think, four, wow. Five, wow. six. I'm sorry, man, to to down the podcast. But I'm just, <laughs> no, 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 no. Listen, but <laughs> no, it's reality, and and uh, it's reality, and and I think it's it's even more uh, it's even more perspective, man. Listen, I I, I know. Anybody that's been to Wales, they know what Andrews and Bruce are. You know, those are the sex offender cottages, you know, and (laughs) and you go past them every day. Right. Because if the way the way Wales is set up, Eric, is like it's like a it's like a big it was set up because it's closed now. But the way it was set up, it's like it was like a college campus. Right. So you drive on the street and there's literally cottages, you know, 12 different cottages. Well, the first Mm -hmm. two cottages that you have to drive past are Andrews and Bruce. And those are all sex offenders. And you know what? They didn't help either. I think about this this place, right? Wales. They didn't help because it seemed like 
the majority of these damn kids here, they had all them, 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 we used to call them Chomo 3000 glasses. Like they all had them big glasses. Like y'all couldn't do them a favor. Just get them some different glasses. Like you put them right in the stereotype and don't get me wrong. Right. Like on a serious note, there's a lot of sick people in those, in those cottages, man. I'm talking about kids like that do sick oh, things yeah. like beyond, beyond what we can probably um, really oh, get yeah. into detail with. Right. But there are, those occasions where it's like a guy and his girlfriend and they had a kid or whatever, and he got charged. There's situations like that. It's rare. You know, a lot of people try to use that, you know what I'm saying? But it's rare. And, and I think they even made, um, a law. I think it was called like the 980 law or something like that. 920, 980 law, where basically they had to evaluate these kids every nine months to, to show, and they could be locked up forever. Like there was no sentence given to these kids nine times out of 10, they were getting out, but there was no like bona fide sentence. They had to pass this 980 law where they would get reevaluated every nine months by a clinical profession that would say, okay, you don't look like you're going to reoffend. Um, we'll give you a chance, but that was a mm-hmm. real thing. And they basically have the right to keep you locked up until this clinician deems that you are, you know, worthy to be back in the street, but go ahead. Sorry about that. Torrance. I just had to get that thought out. No, 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 not at all. We, so um, the case broke me, man, if, I, if I'm being honest. It, I, ca- I came home that day after reading, and I met, I met with the family. I met him, and, and for the first time, I think, out of, and I've been, so if, if we have time, I can share some of the cases. I've been, I've, I've, some of the major ones you've seen in the news, I knew a lot of these kids. So Yeah, go um, ahead. We got plenty of time. But, but that one right there, that that little kid in the sea, and and here's what stuck out to me was, okay, I'm a man, you know, I chase girls all my life. <laughs> I understand what what the male and female dynamic is. I get right. it, and I knew that as a teen and as a young man, there were some things that I had never seen in my life to know to do to a woman. And for him to know that, I knew that something like that was happening to him. There was there's just, right. there's just I, I'm I'm, not, I'm I'm of that mindset that I have an eight year old man. And my my eight year old is so innocent. I I couldn't imagine her knowing the stuff that I read in this, um, in the, in his police report and that he did. And there's right. I, I just I in my mind I just I I as I was reading it I was saying to myself, man we need to evaluate him for what has yes he's done these things but that has to have been taught somewhere these are not things these are this is adult type of things that's happened this is not a oh i just you know just you know the you know the basic beginnings right was, this was not basic beginning experiences this was very bad and right. and that i that had to have happened from an adult. And, so yeah, and, only, and almost like he's done it before, sounds like. He he yes, because he had multiple victims. And mm-hmm. and and so not only am I as as a you know as a professional as a clinician and those things, my thought was that hey, not only is this guy a perpetrator, but he's a victim. This kid, I shouldn't call him a guy because he was still a kid, you know, this was a sixth grader. But right. some of those things, man, I I know you just don't know that in sixth grade. Where would you see it at? 
I don't there's right. there's a, I know there's a lot of internet, but some of these things that had to have happened. So that was the then that was like the old saying was that was the was it the straw that broke the camel's back? Right, right. That that was yeah. the straw for me. But but yeah. if I can, if it's okay, you mentioned it's got about, me it's got me reevaluating what I just said earlier. No, no, no I'm just playing. <laughs> so it's got me reevaluating trying to help people. But go ahead. No, no, no. That was just one case though. But <laughs> right. for the most part, the my my the general that's just the one that stuck out. I'm just you mentioning, you know, because I'm moving fast. But one thing you mentioned earlier, you you um you talked about handing out degrees or handing out diplomas. Right. And if you're old enough to remember, there's two things I want to speak about on this. And this was when I would go and visit the school systems. But if you're old enough, there used to be, I don't know if this is still in place, but there was a law called No Child Left Behind. I don't know Hmm. if you guys remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah, That was George Bush. So that was a George Bush law. No No Child Left Behind. Well, in my opinion, No Child Left Behind was a disservice because what it did was it started to hand out even though the the initial intent was supposedly to for betterment but it ended up causing more harm than betterment because what it did is started to allow instead of in our day a kid could fail you 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 had to legitimately work for your grades to get out And, and and i know kids that had not went to school and still graduated in this new era that was hard for me to believe and those are those are direct, um, they're direct descendants of that no child left behind pro, uh, uh, bill. Because right. now, instead of, you know, um, the kid is given a false sense of what they know also when you do that. It's just like handing out a participation trophy on a sports exactly. team. Exactly. This is the same thing where every kid gets a trophy. Yeah, I understand that, but it doesn't give a chance, it doesn't give a, the person. The, in my opinion, also this is my opinion, but it doesn't give them the opportunity to to gauge where they are. If everyone gets right. a trophy or if everyone passes, we really don't know what you know. We're just passing to meet a bill, right? <laughs> you second, and you take the, away, you take uh, away. Before you get into the second part, you take away yes. the ability to learn, to learn from your loss. Like you take away mm-hmm. that ability, like. That's what makes the greatest competitors that you have in sports is understanding how to lose and then understanding how to not lose, understanding not what lose. failure is, right? Understanding what failure is and then coming out of failure, you know, real quick before yes. you get into the second part, just Ooh, like okay. to piggyback, to piggyback off of what you're saying about what it was like, like you used to have to earn your grade or you failed right now. I ended up, I ended up meeting like one of my friends who he ended up getting killed when I was in elementary school. Right. And this is, it was complete. Me and Paulino were actually talking about it. Um, the other week, Eric, the guy, Joe, right. He was our, both of our friend. He ended up getting killed when we were in elementary school, but mm-hmm. the, to, to, to Torrance's point, he flunked a uh, third grade. Right. And the most mm-hmm. embarrassing thing about flunking when I was in elementary school was that at the end of the year, when every kid gets to go to their next classroom, the last day of school to see where they're going to be at the next year, the other kid has to stay behind. So when we walk into this classroom, when we walk into this classroom, he's still sitting there. Like, you don't think that's embarrassing. You don't think that puts a fire under a kid's ass. Like, you know what? I'm better than this. 
instead of just okay. saying, instead of just saying, ah, you got all use, which is unsatisfactories. We're going to go ahead and pass you anyway, but go, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Torrance, get into the second part. So the second part of this is when, uh, when I was a part of, um, um, first time offenders. So, um, first time offenders required me to, to meet at home. If they had a job, I would go, I wouldn't, I would not, um, if they were at work, I would just stand and, you know, observe and say, you know, give them a salute or something. Hey, I see you or you see you at work, not embarrass them. But what stood out the most to me was this element was when I was going to elementary or grammar schools and in one particular school, and I won't mention the school's name, but there were, these were all below third grade. There was the, the administrative assistant had medication lined up across in these little Dixie cups or these little small, mm-hmm. you know, med cups. Right. And this was giving, these were giving, or they can't call them toddlers, but I don't, I don't remember what, you know, below third grade is called, but just say kid, you know, I still refer to them as babies, but right. this is no, this is no older than seven years old. And you're giving the seven, five and six, uh, psychotropic meds, psychotropic meds, sorry, at that age, wow, that, and no child left behind that stood out to me during my tenure working. So first of all, you're introducing these to psychotic meds before their brain has officially developed. They're still in a mm. developmental stage. Right. Not only that, you're passing this group uh, amongst these meds that are keep making them sleepy, you know, or they're, they're you know, they're, you know, you're zombieing them out and they're not learning. This person will eventually see me as a teen or an adult because they not only have they not learned anything but they'll eventually be not all of them but a lot of them are now what we see in the streets popping pills and this is right. where you know this is, there's a correlation to a lot of these things we don't you know as a you know as a society we don't like to admit it but if you're in if you're in what we call the trenches and you see it you can see why the kid why the um berto i don't know if you're familiar with the kill boys around here no, no, I never. I am. I, I am. My my friend actually had his car stolen by him. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> so the key, the original Kia boy, well, one of the originals, I knew for sure. I, I, I had him, and I remember when he was taking the cars off of the, the, um, the car lots, but he was, oh, I don't want to, that's going to be the wrong term. Uh, I don't know the correct term now, but he, it was just say he was developmental. He was developmentally delayed. But, but he was, he, I knew from him using, you know, being on medication as a younger, and this is, and and truthfully, I won't say it's 90% of them. That's, that's a high number, but a lot of the kids that we are seeing in the young adults, 18, 19, 20, that are wilding out, wilding out now are those ones that were introduced to that medication and stuff early and that no child left behind. So let me ask you, is, is that the same, is it the same thing as Ritalin or is it different? Is that? There, there's multiples because you, you, you have, you have your Trazodones, you have, uh, 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 I'm going to start naming the ones because I don't remember them all anymore, but yes, Ritalin is one of those. Yes. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's, it's, yes. it, yeah, it's, it's convenient, bro. It's, it's convenient, um, 
for people to turn a blind eye because it's it's comfort, right? So mm-hmm. it's uncomfortable when all these kids are running around, right? But it's comfortable when they're sedated. And so people turn a blind eye to the long-term effects for the short-term effect. You know what I mean? 40. And so so that's that's mm. that happens, you know, and then people grow up and they wonder, why is this person crazy? You know, why mm. is this person out mm. here doing crazy stuff? And and just mm. side note, like I give you a lot of credit for being able to mince your words. Cause I say all types of things I'm probably not supposed to say, but I say it anyway. You know what I'm saying? And I'm probably, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I, we're in this, in this age of people getting canceled, but I don't, I don't go that far, you know, but some things I think I get a pass for. Cause I can just say I was down for 15 years. I didn't know that was politically correct not to say, but, but go ahead back to you though. So that, that was, you know, that's pretty much that one is, you know, the no child left behind and then the medication I, I think also these 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 individuals that I'm, that these people that's bad, but these individuals are now becoming parents, mm. and so you that's another thing that we I think uh, um, let me let me return with one. So I I say with the um, hip hop love hip hop and with drugs, I'll just use that. I'll come back to that. Is why I'm saying that, but we tend to celebrate the one or two or three as successes in those things but we 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 but but we omit the damage that really happened so in the drug game we might say the the um I'll use um the guys out of Chicago you know the the um the twins yeah we may say they were huge and success stories and, and the guys here, the, 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 you know, the guys that went and became, but was their success greater than the damage that was caused in, right. in urban areas? Cause that's the weirder community that's affected more is the urban area. It's not, you know, um, we, we have, we're the ones that, you know, the, 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 this new, you know, like the guy that served the pregnant girl with me, you know, Right. And we don't know the residuals of all of these things, you know, and then but we but we um, we tend to glorify, not glorify, but we tend to to mask over. We glorify how what they what they did, but we mask over the damages that the, that they caused in those communities. And this is not to make people out to be bad people, because I know everyone's trying to find their way in these areas, right. but we tend to overlook. And that's one of the things I, I used to teach in Lights Out also was to not overlook, like look at your neighborhood and see the residuals of what's happened. You know, yeah, right. you're getting that because everybody's, I got the bag and that kind of stuff. But yeah, the bag comes with a huge cost to everybody else. And I'll, right. I'll stop right there because I'll start rambling. <laughs> no, no, you know what though? And you make a good point because I think it's not even necessarily sometimes about the direct effect that guys like, you know, the, the twins and the twins are my friends, like my, my good friends to this day. Okay. No, no, no. But, but it makes a good point though. It makes a good, but because they understand it, they, they know what they've done, the mistakes they've made in their lives. But, but I'm, I'm speaking on a larger scale. It's not even about directly what they did. Right. It's more about the message that they sent to every other aspiring drug dealer. Right. Because now every other aspiring drug dealer thinks they can become this big, big time millionaire and how many other people get hurt in their ripple effect. And then the people yeah. after them, their ripple effect. And it's like the snowball is too big at some point, right? Like it, it rolls downhill and you're going to, it's going to, it's going to, 
it's going to run you over. So yeah, no, not even always necessarily about direct effect, but also about, like you said, residual, just what's left behind, man. I think that's a hundred percent true, man. When you talk about uh, all these small nuances, right. That have such a big part in people's lives that are overlooked every day, all the time. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it puts people like us in a tough spot, man. And uh, <laughs> I think uh, I think I can I can learn a hell of a lot from you, man. And and um, from the conversation we had, and and we've you know we've talked a little bit. I think it's important for for our viewers to kind of hear. Maybe your fire got reignited a little bit. You're looking to get into some more kind of proactive ways to 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 help. What, what do you got for us on that level, Torrance? Well, I um, the I've been in dialogue. Um, the uh, friend of mine has, well, a couple of friends have been kind of pushing them the needle to make lights out an accredited thing, and not mm. just you know not just a past you know thing that I did in the past. So the mindset is moving towards that. I'm doing a lot of I'm writing right now, and um, we'll see if if you know if if. Um, if it works out the that steps, way, yeah. If the steps are necessary and everything happens correctly, and this thing becomes accredited, I w- I, w- I wouldn't mind. You know, I wouldn't mind being able to um, reintroduce some things. But this is a but the the newer newer generation is a little bit. It's a, the the obstacles are a little bit different now than before. So, you know, I um in the past I had um I've worked with uh, the I don't know if you guys remember, but the Ameritech person that killed the Maritech worker, the the block um the person that shot the cop with the aside of Blockbuster. Just we, we don't have to go I don't go go down, but some of the more more heinous crimes I was with and in and even with working with that group, they weren't heavily medicated. Mm. You know, whereas now, you know, dealing with this with a medicated group is gonna take a, a you know a different, you know, definitely fresh and new blood to go along with the curriculum definitely so those are you know those are the kind of things i want to you know it's going to take you know a new you know not just us dinosaurs but some new blood and 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 you know with a with kind of a direction towards this new group because there's a lot of other elements social media wasn't involved you know to do you know crazy stuff on social media like i see now to you know to embarrass yourself and do all that stuff so so the prog- the program would have to be reevaluated and then hopefully back out into the world right isn't it isn't it weird hold on i, I i'm sorry eric isn't it weird that it, it just seems like that every time a generation kind of gets their they feel like they get their their arms around the next generation. They feel like they got a good idea on how to try to guide them out of it. You know, that generation is given a whole different identity. And it's like everything that we thought we were passing down is now, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Like it's, it's, it's non-existent. You know, it's like when, when I was coming up, the big thing for, you know, older people were to say was, don't do this and don't do that and don't do this and don't do that. And, and I mm-hmm. was always of the mindset that I never wanted to, to be preached to, you know, cause it was never going to work. So in my mm-hmm. mind, like my approach on here was to never to preach to anybody. It was more about giving the information. It was more about, okay, well, I'm not going to preach to you and tell you what not to do. 
but I'm going to tell you what yeah. to look for in the situations you're in. And from the sounds of it, now it's like, now, now I feel like that's a good approach. Now it's like, there has to be another approach, you know, because okay. now there's, there's medic. It's like, it's, you know, it's, it's fluid. The situation is so fluid. You know, it's like you try to grab water. It's not going to happen. You know, that that's, that's the sad part, but that's what makes this a, a worthy challenge for anybody, you know, and for everybody more importantly, That's right. you know? So yeah, I just think that's, that's a, that's a crazy concept. Go ahead, Eric. You had a question for him? Yeah. Well, I was just curious kind of what, what does the accreditation process look like? Because based on like what Berto said about the curriculum he went through, it sounds like the curriculum he went through was written by a psychologist and was written in such a way that it was way over everybody's head, which your curriculum seems like it brings it down to a, a level that everybody can understand. But going through this accreditation process, it do you run the risk of getting a bunch of psychologists' hands into it? And you do just propelling it up to a level where nobody can understand it again, basically. Well, um, the board, board part, I'm not, I, I, I don't remember, um, but um, it does have to pass. So once you, there's a, there are certain markers or milestones that have to be met. So you, there are, you know, it, it's still the same, like what uh, Eric mentioned earlier. I'm sorry, what Berto mentioned earlier is the, the cognitive and those things. Yeah. You have to meet those um, standards, milestones. But there is a way to teach those milestones without, you know, using them as the as the technical terms. Right. And so once, so when you there's a you know there's a certain amount of work that, that has to be completed in each session. You have to you know there's the basis has to be covered, and then it and then you submit work. So and it almost it, sounds like there's almost like a checklist that that they go through and yes. make sure that your curriculum matches that checklist in a way. Yes. Yes. But it doesn't necessarily have to be written in a certain way to be able to get approved. It's just that is this core competency covered, basically. Right there. That's the word. That that's the word. Yep. Core. Yep. The core competency covered. Yes. Yes. Very cool. Can I ask you? Let me ask you this question. Um, is your can you say does your is your course like interactive? Like with with within the group that whoever is taking it. Is it like interactive consistently as far as they have yes. to, um, you know, do homework on it and all that stuff? We do. There, well, I had to remember this is, this is a little bit dated, but yes, there were worksheets and it was more of a um, so. So I would use so. In, um, I've, well, I sh now let me hold that one. But I would use uh, case files or case uh, history. And, and, and we, those interactions would happen. So I would give a scenario. This, this is broad, but there was more than this. But I would give a certain scenario. Say I would say, um, say, Berto, uh, he was involved in a certain situation. And, and then we would, we would, I would have them uh, unpack that situation. I would give the, so in other words, on, on the, um, on the projector, there would be the, the question or the or the example. And it was down in their terms. It was, I tried to use, I used kids so that I could speak their language because I know I don't, you know, I don't know all the slangs and all of that anymore. So, but it would be, it was geared towards them, not towards right. me. Mm -hmm. And so, and it, it is, that's not, it was, it is geared towards them and not towards me. 
And then from there, we would go. We So I would have whoever would answer and say, well, that doesn't make sense. Why would I do that? I'm just, you know, I'm just, this is broad. So, but those are kind of dialogues that we would come up with afterwards or during groups. And this would happen in group. They would dialogue and say, no, uh, or what, or what could he have done? What, you know, I would try to, you know, give them, an, you know, different examples of different avenues. So not, so in other words, that you mentioned earlier about preaching and I, I, um, my daughter used to always be get on me about that. Dad, you're lecturing to me again all the time. My oldest daughter, <laughs> right? But right. Yep. I would try not to lecture. <laughs> but and I have a problem with that. So, but because I'm from that school of lecturing, but but I but what I would do is I instead of just giving them saying, you know, lights out was not just saying, well, you did this, you did this, you did this. The the direction is okay. We know what you did. But what if you encounter this again, what could happen? Or if you've never encountered this, what could you do? So there's always an there was I, I tried to write an out for everything that right. was, resulted in them not going into the system. Also, one of my strong points too. apart. Is this OK if I keep going on? This? Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. OK, so another part is the I call this the wheel or the bag. And a lot of them. And a lot of it is like the kids say now is cap. A lot of these kids are capping. They're not making no money. These are small time guys. They're not doing all this. But I would always bring them to this. So you say you're getting the bag, and then and there's a part in my my a PowerPoint where I tell how many people have made money off of their mistake. So who's really getting the bag? Are you hmm. or are you are you the bag? In other right. words, I hope it's not too confusing. Right. So I would and I would go. So before you before you arrived here to me, I would go over who got paid off of, and who has sent their children to college off of your dysfunction. So if you had a therapist, a therapist has gotten paid. The police officers have gotten paid. The judge has gotten paid. Uh, lawyer. The court clerks, the lawyer, the stenographer. Uh, the counselors, me, right? I there's there's a wheel, a circle, a wheel. I use this wheel of look, look how much influence you have over people that you don't even realize you have. Right. I had this you conversation with, uh, with Eric. I had this conversation with Eric. Remember where I told you, you know, how many people? Let's just go in this fantasy world and say crime drops eighty percent across the country. Mm-hmm. How many people are immediately out of jobs? Right. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So. So, so that's that's the reality. You know what's funny is I I actually asked this question, uh, Torrance, because in my mind, I just feel like there's always more hurdles when you're trying to help. You know, like it's it's it, there's less obstacle, less less resistance. You know, for bullshit to go on, but whenever there's somebody trying to help, it's like there's so many hurdles. You know, and I don't know nothing about a nonprofit, but I I heard that's crazy. You know, I don't know nothing mm-hmm. obviously about being accredited, but even that sounds crazy. And so the reason why I brought it up is because I'm thinking in my head, well, this this philosophy is so practical, man. And it, it, to me, it's something that should be immediately be exposed to to, to kids and and give them a chance Thanks. because because it really is it really is practical. And 
you know, me right away, the criminal in me was like, well, how can we really do this without getting into the credit then? How, how can we get in front of these kids without getting the credit? Because <laughs> was a hell of a, that, was a, that was a criminal in me, right? And the first thing I thought of is when I was in Wales, we used to do like, we used to read like, okay, there was a book. I, I don't know for sure, hundred percent. I apologize if I butcher this, but it's like the cross and the switchblade, which is about a story about a guy who ended up coming to, to religion and he was in the street, right? And so what we would do is we would read these books and then we would come and we would have like an open forum discussion about it. And then we would have like a book report, right? So mm. if you could do that without this book being accredited and talk about the effects of this guy and his decisions and his life, why can't you do it with something that is more practical and can relate to each and in, each and in, each individual kid? You know, instead of this guy's story, whoever it is, Blase, whatever, a Berto story, right? Or read my book and do a book report, right? So um, it's just, it to me, it's like, why are there so many hurdles when you're trying to help, man? You know what I mean? It, it, there should be hurdles when you're trying to hurt, you know? So I agree. It, I agree. Yeah. And I think I, I personally think like the concept you've developed would be amazing as like a game. You know, if you could turn that into a phone game or something that appeals to Ooh. young kids, right? Ooh. You know, and maybe they maybe they play as mm. a, as a gang member, but then as they go down on all these different missions, it just blows up in their face, and they see how bad everything could go. They keep they keep mm. trying to bail out. They keep yeah, trying to bail yeah. out. You get a game where they got to keep trying to bail out. They're gonna be running short. <laughs> <laughs> so mm, great idea, great idea. Yeah, no, listen. Yeah, listen, man. This is uh I'm glad we touched on this, man. I'm glad we had a we've had a chance to 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 be able to just see it from a different more uh professional perspective. You know, obviously the perspective I give is real life experience, but you know, I don't I, I'm not in ever I'm never in those conversations when those doors closed. For me, I can't imagine how many times those doors closed and those social workers probably look at each other and say, yeah, that kid's fucked. Right. I mean, let's just be honest. It's gotta be, it's gotta happen. It's gotta happen because, because people give up before they can, before they keep trying when I'm talking and I, and I'm talking about, man, when I was in Wales, man, like, okay. So this, I'll make this quick. Cause I know we've been, we've been running long, but so when I was in Wales, right. Like it seemed like the more you stayed out of trouble, the more they picked on you for the small things. But the more you got mm. into trouble, the more they let you mm. get away with, you know? And mm. if you were somewhere in the middle, you were really screwed, right? <laughs> but, but you know, <laughs> me, I was always in the first group because I never got in trouble on the surface. They knew I was getting in trouble behind the scenes, but they could never prove it. You know, I was the Inca up there. So I never had to get my hands dirty, so to speak. I mean, I fought up there, but it wasn't like I was like running, gang banging in the in the, in the courtyard. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. But but mm-hmm. my my but I think my point is going back to that is, yeah, man, it just seems like they find a way to to basically pacify the people that are continuing to to struggle the most with, with, uh, with structure and change, you know, and that's what them places are designed for. You know, if you can't do well under structure, because I was great under structure. Listen, man, I was a, I was a model prisoner, man. Like, yeah, I did a lot of stupid things 
underneath the surface, but I knew how to get away with it, mm -hmm. you know? And because I had been in it so long, I knew how to get away with it. But from the outside looking in, I was good at structure. You know, I was good in a structured environment. If you can't be good in a structured environment as a criminal, how are you going to be good in the real world ever? So how do social workers and youth counselors and all these people not see this? In OJOR, we had OJOR, which is Office of Juvenile OJOR. Offender Review. Yeah, Office yes. of Juvenile Offender Review. So, so how yes. do these people not see that, right? Like, it's one thing to get in trouble and, oh, man, you had to church, you, you, your shirt wasn't tucked in. You got in trouble for that. But you've been in, you called the staff a bitch 17 times this week. Like, come mm -hmm. on, man. Like, this is what I'm saying. Like, there's no accountability for when it gets hard for these people that are supposed to be working on behalf of the state, on behalf of the people that are doing right. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and I'm not saying it's their fault all the way. You know what I mean? Because trust me, some cases are just lost causes. But I'm just saying that when the times get tough, there should be, okay, well, we should be able to do this with him. You know, not not treat everybody uniform because everybody is not the same, man. Guys are not That's the same. Right. Guys learn right. different. Guys, guys were raised different. Guys have different goals, different aspirations, whether it be good or bad. And you have to individualize kids in order to find out what really makes them tick. I mean, that's just the reality of it. But I mean, and I would actually 100% agree with you because I think in a lot of instances, something that maybe would work with one kid would completely turn another kid off. And if these systems are run in such a way where where everything is taught the same, the kids aren't failing. Be maybe some of these kids that are failing are not failing because they're bad. It's because the system that they've devised doesn't work for them, and that's really sad. If that's what's happening, it, it is. Is, I, is, is, is. It is. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's. There's there's multiple variables to an occurrence. That's one of my favorites too. There's multiple variables to an occurrence. So there's a lot of moving parts, but that's definitely one of them, what you just mentioned. It's sad, man. It's sad, but that's our job. That's our job to get on here, man. Right, Eric? That's yep. our job. That's right. All right, Torrance. Well, listen, man, this is the part of the show where I get to say, listen, you can say pretty much whatever you want, provided you don't get us in trouble. But, you know, if you, <laughs> no. if you want to, yeah, if you want to, you know, I don't know, you know, what you're doing currently, if you, um, you know, if guys got questions for you, I guess they can they can email our show, um, and I can I can always forward them to you. But but I, I just allow you give a chance to to just sign off, and then and then Eric will close us out. Well, mine is going to be short, man. I, I I thank you for allowing me on your show. Um, I I say that because uh, we're we're not the one of my um, colleagues used to say. If you're in this for the glory, then you're in the wrong business because <laughs> 100%. We, don't, we don't we don't get a lot of wins. You know, I don't know if right. that was correct. That's grammatically correct right there. But we don't get a lot of wins, man. So if you're in right. this for the glory, you're in the wrong business. So this is the long haul. This is not. And, and I and, and honestly, I walked away. But to everyone else that's out there, I will say this. If you are in cert, uh, your listeners. If they are from this background or this situation, change can happen, but but you but it allows you but you have to make that you know here I go preaching and lecturing, but the change has to happen within you. 
and it's not going to happen. There, there, there are many obstacles, but but change can't happen. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. I've been around people. I'm around people now who I know were what society deemed lost causes. Um, mm-hmm. I was at uh, Potawatomi um, over New Year's, and a kid that I had worked with. I'm going all off the side. Sorry, sorry, I'm going off the subject, but no, 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 go Pot- ahead. That's my, okay. <laughs> my, my woman and I were at Potawatomi, and this kid, he was smaller when I saw him. I mean, when I when he was a part of the program, and he's a giant now, and I'm I'm short in stature, so this kid was towering over me. He looked, he should have been the 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 administrator, and I'm I'm the kid. And <laughs> this kid, he he was there with his his wife. He was married now, and he said, "Hey, do you remember me?" And, and I, and I, you know, I, I, he looked familiar, but he was older now. So I said, yeah, I, I think so. But, you know, remind me who you are. And he, and he said, you know, he mentioned me and he mentioned the program and stuff like that. And then he gave me this huge hug, man. He, you know, I've been hugged a lot of times, but, you know, but he hugged me in the middle of Potawatomi. This is a casino. So, and he said, he told his wife in front of mine, he said, this is the guy I've been telling you about right here. That's him. That's the guy that he said. And he and he and all of a sudden, he resorted back to being a little kid again. It seemed like because he was saying, "Man, I haven't been in trouble since since your program. I never, I'm you know, I'm married. I did, and that was one of those, I guess the, our great moments. That's but, powerful, man. But and it happened. This is true. This is not me. Like the kids say, capping and and that I this kid really came to me. Well, he is, he's an adult now, but this has happened multiple times though, not just once. But my point is change change can happen. And and change doesn't necessarily mean that you become this wealthy dude or you know, change just means that you, you know, you redeem and you set your life, you know, on a path that you can help others or help your own family if you have that. And I'll kind of hopefully that didn't, you know, go too preachy but i'll leave it right there i think that was yeah, an amazing that, that way was, to end yeah. it <laughs> yeah, that was that was perfect and as long as it's not me preaching you're all right <laughs> gentlemen also i hope i didn't bore you guys to death no this is a great podcast okay. man i was super okay, interested so. the whole time man i'm, I'm i appreciate yeah. you coming on and thank you again for inviting me all right eric you know what to do yeah with that we'll wrap this episode up thanks everybody for tuning in uh we do have a Patreon. You can find that at patreon.com slash normalized crime. And yes, uh, we also have an email address to contact us if you want, normalizedcrime at gmail.com. And we will be back next week with another episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Peace. And I will be listening. Thanks for tuning in to Normalized Crime. Stay tuned for the next episode.